Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in the Vlogos podcast, episode number 106. My name is Brad. I'm joined as always by my dear friend, Austin. Austin, how you doing? I'm doing great. Like, I'm, I'm fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. You know, you know that meme where you're in a burning building, and, and there's that dog sitting there with the cup, and he like, says, fine. "Everything's fine." Yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like that dog. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, life continues to be life. I think is is kind of what we're learning. There's not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of breaks. Although Austin and his family just had a nice little impromptu beach vacation. It now, granted, nice. it was to the beaches of Lake Michigan, but it it kind of honestly, it's better. I don't know. I've never actually. I have been to Lake Michigan once. You can it was in Chicago, so that doesn't count. You can pick one, Lake Huron, the bluest water I've ever seen in my life. Oh, crystal clear. It's fresh water. It's not all salty, <laughs> and it's just my humble opinion. It's better than any of the coasts I've been to. Okay. I've been to the, I've been to the Pacific, been to the Atlantic, been to the Gulf. Ooh, I've been to all three of those too. Hey, hey, all right. <laughs> I was bummed, though. So we went to Mackinac Island, and the plan was to cross to go to the UP, Upper Peninsula, just so we could get to Lake Superior. And then I could say I've been to four Great Lakes. But we just, we didn't do it. Didn't do it. Oh, well. Maybe next time. Mm. Opportunity lost. Squandered. Squandered away. It's fine. Well, we are excited to be back with you. Uh, If you haven't been listening, we've been going through First Timothy and, and... Alternating between First Timothy and just some other topics. We talked tattoos a couple weeks ago. We talked marijuana last week. Check those episodes out if you haven't done so. Check out what we've done through First Timothy if this is your first time joining us. Go back to First Timothy chapter one and just start working through First Timothy with us. It was a pretty it's a pretty cool walkthrough. We are nearing the tail end of, of the book of First Timothy. Yes, we are. We're on chapter six. We're on verse six. And we're gonna start there and see how far we get uh, on our, on the time crunch that we have today, which isn't crazy of a time crunch but a little little bit of one there's a little bit of like hey i gotta go to work uh so that's not important well it is right now (laughs) it is right now i got two vacations coming up and and it's funny because i got two vacations coming up and i quit my other job so that makes sense makes total sense don't think about it so we are gonna dive into first timothy chapter six verse six if you haven't done so already Subscribe on Facebook, social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have a website. We have patreon.com slash rooted in Logos, L-O-G-O-S, to support us monthly. Because of those who have supported us monthly, we want to thank you so much. You're going to get a round of applause. That comes from our brand new sound machine or, or mixer or whatever this item is you want to call it sound it's a mini soundboard is what it looks like but it is advancement it is a brand new setup for us we hope it sounds good i'll find out as i'm editing this episode if it sounds good or not but because of, of that we were paid for half of this and that was awesome so thank you guys so much we are very appreciative of those of you who do support us uh, monthly to you know austin and i've talked to grow this and to kind of get this moving forward we, we've we have grown it, but we've kind of staggered. We've kind of hit hit a little plateau. And I think to take it to the next level, the quality has to get better. Yes. We have to reduce background noise, reduce the appearances of my two dogs. They're both sitting next to me at the moment, so we'll see if that works out today or not. Probably won't. <laughs> but we it's too hot to leave, leave them outside right now. Way too hot. 
But anyway, especially the Husky. But yeah, so we need to upgrade our equipment and upgrade just kind of get the level of excellence a little bit higher in order to really kind of see this thing continue to move forward. So that is why we bought this thing. We're very excited. It's called a Mixcast 4. We can put four microphones in it, a USB drive, a phone or tablet or a computer. We can connect Bluetooth to it. And then we got all these little sound effects where it makes it sound like I'm cuss, cussing. I'm not actually cussing, not but it's what it it's what it sounds like. It's loud. It is loud. Sorry. I was playing with that when I was messing with this thing when I first got it. And that, that was then. We can, uh, we, we can uh, hear a heartbeat. So that's, oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, got some cool stuff, and we're going to keep playing with this and see what kind of drops we can throw on there, because we can program like 24 drops on this thing, so we're going to kind of see what happens. So, like us, subscribe to us, support us financially. If you feel called and led, that would be amazing. We would love to have you on board for that. Also, give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. We would also love that. We will read them on this podcast. If you do, if, gonna, if you write a review, we will read it, good or bad. Anyway. Anyway. First Timothy chapter 6. Let's get into it. We are going to start in verse 6. Uh, you know, let's just read through First Timothy 6, just so we can get a little idea of where we are. And... Tell you what, start in verse 3. Start in verse 3. That way we have a complete thought. Okay. Yeah. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness... He is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Verse 6, which is where we will, where we will start today, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. I'm going to stop at verse 7. So let's just jump back into verse 6. I like it. Okay. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. So we're right off the heels of Paul just kind of laying it out there very clearly that if anyone teaches a different doctrine, he's kind of dumb. Yeah. I mean, understands nothing. Uh, what else? What else would you say that that means? Exactly. Well, yeah. Just go back to our last episode. I think we laid it out pretty well, and the way we left off last episode, talking about contentment, it's such a such a big part of it of being content where you are. But where is the line between being content where you are and being lazy and being satisfied? And I, I think there's there's a difference. There's a big difference, but yet the line is pretty narrow. For an example, would be just, okay, look at your, a job. <clears throat> You're in a job. Are you content where you are at in that job? Versus you are wanting to do better. You're wanting to get the raise, or you are wanting to um, get into a better position. But are you so consumed with that next raise or that next position that one, you're willing to let go of conviction uh, Two, you're willing to step on other people to get that raise or that position. Um, and again, talking about being content, are you just so consumed with the next step that you are completely let 
letting everything fly by of where you're at. Well, and in this context, too, Tim, uh, Paul's also telling Timothy, you know, right back in verse 5, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. We talked about that, where these pastors of a lot of these mega churches, well, specifically prosperity gospel churches, I don't, not all mega yeah. churches are, are, are bad, but these people who, who teach the prosperity gospel, the word of faith and that sort of thing, they use this idea of being godly, being close to God as a, as a way to get rich. Yeah. I mean, you, I know as you are sitting and listening to this, you have people in mind that that are doing this. I mean, I played, I think last week, I played that little clip of, or two weeks ago, I played that little clip of this pastor in Alabama, I think it was Alabama, that was berating his church for not buying him a watch. Y'all can afford your Starbucks, y'all can afford your drive throughs you can't afford to take care of your pastor but buying this watch, you can buy this watch at Costco. And I'm yep. like... He is using this idea of being godly as a means to gain, yeah. as a means to become rich or become wealthy or to have possessions. And the very next phrase, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm-hmm. So being godly, being close to the Lord, being solid and firm in Scripture and firm and in, in doing what is right, that's the gain. And being content with what you have, yes. that's the gain. Not saying you don't strive for better. Exactly. You're not saying you, you like Austin said. It's there's a line here. Laziness is is, you know, a possibility if you take this the wrong way. Right. But, yeah. So say okay. Yeah, you are living to your means. You, you are. You do not have a lot of money, and so therefore, what you are surviving on is uh, rice and beans. Okay. I'll, I'll go there. You are living for the Lord. You are doing all things for the glory of God. And, and yet you are living on rice and beans. Are you of the mindset of, no, this is not what God has for me. I'm, I'm, I deserve better. I, I would say, be careful with that. Yes, the Lord who is rich in mercy, if he wants you somewhere else, he will put you there. But it also goes back to, are you willing to put in the work to do it? God is a God of means. He, going back to the prosperity gospel, everyone thinking that God wants me to prosper, so he's going to give me these things. Well, in a way, yes, but what do you have to do for that? Well, you got to put in the work. You can't just look at an empty field and be like, Lord God, I'm going to pray that this field has corn in it. Well, yes, God does work miracles, but he wants you to work. But the the most likely scenario is you got to plant that corn and, exactly. and and actually do the work to get it. Yeah, plant, well, yeah. The Bible, re- you know, references. Look at the ant. The ant works. Oh, you sluggard! Yeah, how the work? Yeah, yeah. So this is not a call to laziness. This is a call to be content. It, really, what it boils down to, and I think what Paul is really trying to get across, especially for the pastor, especially for the one who is teaching and using godliness as a as a goal in his or her life, is your satisfaction comes through God. Right. Your satisfaction doesn't come through your next vacation, your next toy that you're buying, your your next car, your next promotion. Your satisfaction yeah. comes from God. Yeah. And you, you have everything in the proper perspective. What is it Paul says? He says that I have learned to be content in all circumstances, right? Yep. If I'm wealthy, I'm content. Yep. If I'm poor, I'm content. Yep. He's writing most of his letters to churches and letters to people from prison cells. He's content. He is like content. he is he is fine because he is satisfied in God. Yeah. Not satisfied in things and in possessions and or in food or or, or whatever the case may be. Exactly. 
yeah. you know, I think that's what really Paul's trying to get across with godliness or godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we will not take anything out of this world. I mean, that is a phrase that you hear from non-Christians. You can't take it with you. Exactly. You know, there, there's definitely some truth to that. Sometimes that is used to justify reckless spending and, and being right. being kind of, you know... Not good stewards not, of your money. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But the principle is true, is you can't take it with you. You didn't bring anything in this world. You Naked I came into this world, naked I will leave it. Yep. That's... That's the truth. Yeah. There's nothing you can take with you. You can be buried with things. Doesn't mean you took it with you. Still not taking it with you, yeah. Still not going with you. You're already gone at that point. So I think it's very important that Paul here is saying, find your satisfaction in Christ alone. Yeah. Not in material possessions or wealth. Yeah. And, And this is definitely where the prosperity gospel is leading people astray where they are making people not content on where they are. And again, not in talking to the lay person, not even the, the pastors that are, are saying these things, but the lay person who has, okay, what they're eating is rice and beans. So I just use that as an example, but being content there because they're not thinking, well, because I'm godly and because I am living for God. He is going to bless me with a T-bone steak every night. So, you know, no, you're, you're content where you are. But, like we're saying, we are to be like Christ. We are supposed to emulate Christ. But if you can do better, then do better. I mean, the whole, just what we were reading uh, a week ago, uh, or a couple weeks ago, it's you are working for somebody, and you're doing your best. You're working for the Lord, not for men. But the same principle of if you're working for $10 an hour, you're still doing a $40 an hour job. So if you are working in this way, the Lord is going to bless you because you're working for him. But it goes back to, are you working in this way because you believe the Lord is going to bless you? Therefore, you're doing only for that Right. versus you're working for the Lord knowing he's going to bless you because he has said so. And you're expecting the great reward in the sense of because he told you, not in the sense of I'm working because I know I'm going to get this, and that's the only reason why I'm doing this, if that makes any sense. No, it does. (laughs) And if you think we're harping a little too much on this, look at go back and read the book of Job. Yeah. Job was as godly as they come, so much so that God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He'll praise me no matter what. (laughs) And Satan's like, ah, sure, sure he will, sure he will. Let me do this, this, and this. Then he'll curse you. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So you think you don't think Job was? I mean, maybe a little miffed at a couple of points in his, you know, yeah, with with Asking everything that was Lord going why. on. Yeah, he was a little miffed, but he still understood his perspective and his place, and he understood where his satisfaction actually lies and where it comes from, and it comes from God, not from the material or the worldly aspects that we that we possess and the things that we have. So, so carrying on into verse seven and eight, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. So I want to go to Matthew, Matthew chapter six, starting in verse, let's go starting in verse 25, the words of Christ Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life 
what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So I think that speaks a lot to it as well. Oh, absolutely. Being content and not worrying about all these things. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Paul here is is saying that the basic necessities of life, food and clothing, should be enough to make you content. Yeah. Doesn't mean designer clothing necessarily it doesn't mean you know just something to keep you modest yep and and, and put in and something to keep you warm in the cold or whatever but something to keep you modest and something to survive on food wise yeah that in and of itself by themselves should be enough to keep you content yeah paul does not again don't hear what we're not saying paul and us we're but specifically paul here is not saying having other possessions is a bad thing no no having things is not bad it's having things that are given by God and understanding their place and understanding their perspective. Having things in the right perspective is yeah. is huge. And I think that's a lot about what Paul's talking about here. Yeah. Because you go on to verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Mm. So I think this clearly describes people who are guilty of greed. This is not a... It's always wanting more. Always wanting more. And nothing can satisfy exactly. you. Exactly. It, it's not a desire to necessarily move up and help provide for your family more. It's not that. Right. It's the greed. It's This is moving into a sinful right. state of mind where you become impulsive. Right. Right? You become a little reckless. You become vindictive or manipulative. Or like Austin said earlier... You don't care who you step on to get to this top. Exactly. You don't care who you have to throw off the ladder to climb up to the next rung. Yeah. Like if someone above you and blocking your path, you grab them, you throw them off. Doesn't matter how you Spartan do it. Spartan kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you? How would you Spartan? If they're above you, and how would you Spartan kick them? You would do it. <laughs> okay. Just do it. Feels supernatural in, in that <laughs> case, but but yeah. So it is. It yeah. it's Paul is moving into this sinful greed desire. And that these people who who fall into that territory it, or fall into that camp, they are they are compulsive. They they will do what they need to do to get ahead. Yeah, doesn't matter what the consequences are or who they have to hurt to do it. Right, and well, that's where it becomes sinful. Of course, that they continually trapped in the sins. They go down this path where they say, "I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that money 
I'm gonna get that raise. I'm gonna get that promotion. Little guys don't care about any of them. Yeah, don't care about the peons that I have to step on. Yeah, and they go down this path of destruction. They get the reward on Earth. Yeah, with their money and their stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. So as we transition into to money, um, it we have established the basic necessities of of man: food, water, clothing. Literally, that's it. That's all we need. That's all we need to survive. To cover our nakedness, which we know back in Genesis, who does that? God. Go- going back to providing us with food and water. Who does that? God. Now, by way of means, okay, he curses the ground because of sin. And now we, we toil and we strive to produce food from, from the ground. But yet, who does the growth? Sure, he has placed man to work the ground and we put the food into the ground, but who allows for the growth? Who provides the rain for the growth? Well, God does. Therefore, God gave you the food. You did not. All you did was planted a seed, watched it die, and then come to life. So we have our basic necessity. Then we move into money. But the fact of the matter is, and we'll just go ahead and read it and talk about it. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. The most, one of the most, taken out of context verses in all of Scripture. Yes. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But what do we hear? Money is the root of all evil. That is... All kinds of evil. Not even just like all evil, period. Right. All kinds of evil. I could think of... And it's not just money, it's the love of money. Right. But the misquoting is the root of all evil is money. It's like, well, actually, you can think of several evil things that have nothing to do with money. But... (laughs) (laughs) It costs nothing for me to stab you. Serial killers? Costs nothing for me to stab you. Yeah, anyway. Beside the fact. (laughs) It's the love of money. And in verse 9, what does it say? but those who desire to be rich. It is not even the being rich aspect. It's not the, like we've said, having money is not sinful. Going back through the Old Testament, going back through the the law, it is pretty clear that money is a blessing from God. Looking for, okay, we look at Solomon. When God asked or told Solomon, you know, ask of me what you will, basically, uh, he, he asks for wisdom. And God grants him wisdom, but what else does he do? He says, because you've asked for this, I am also going to grant you with copious amounts of money. I will make you the richest person ever to live. Well, look back at Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. It says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant and that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Yes. So if money itself was the root of all evil, why would... Why would they, Moses write in Deuteronomy, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Exactly. And, and so I'm glad you, I had that bookmarked, but I'm glad you read it. So it is the fact that, okay, the desire to be wealthy versus being content, trusting the Lord, because the Lord is the one that gives you the power to be wealthy. It's not you who have the power inherently. It's God who gives it. And so application wise, thinking of yourself, are you desiring wealth in the wrong way? 
are you desiring the new toys? The, I don't know, the four wheelers, the, the Razorbacks, the, the boats, the, I literally, you can name anything, whatever your fancy is. Uh, what's the purpose? And is the purpose simply the answer of, well, I deserve it. I've put in the work. Yeah. I've worked my 40 hour week. I've, I've worked all year and I've busted my butt. Therefore, I deserve a little bit of whatever that is. I would say be careful. Again, like we're talking about, there's nothing wrong with money. There is nothing evil about money. There's nothing evil about having a lot of having fun with your money. As in like having the four-wheeler or going on vacation or doing whatever whatever you're doing. But do you have the mentality of I deserve this and why? Just because you worked for it, I, I want you to be careful because all of us, all of this fall into that category and we all need to watch out for that. So the desire, the desire to be rich, you need to ask the question, why? Why are you wanting to be rich? I do think it's very important to take this back and look at this in context again. In this context of first Timothy chapter six of the whole book of first Timothy specifically, but really in chapter six, he is talking about love of money as a fault when it comes to false teachers. Mm -hmm. So he is speaking out against what was at the time, their prosperity gospel. Yeah. And so like, we do need to make sure we understand that, but the truth of the phrase, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. is universally true. Transcendent. It absolutely is universally true. It is something that can be applied in all everything. throughout your your life and all right. throughout the lives of everyone around us. So, but but to be clear and just so you all are aware what the context is because what do we say context is king, right? When it comes to interpreting scripture, he is specifically talking about false teachers. And he's specifically talking about people who are using godliness or at least the image or the appearance of godliness as a way to get rich. Exactly. And then that he follows that up in verse 10, the second part of verse 10, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And essentially what he's saying is, is they have chosen money as their God. Yeah. They have left the teachings, the solid teachings of, of, of Jesus and the solid teachings of, of the scriptures and of the Bible. They have left those and pursued money as their God. And they're still using some of those teachings to try to justify their new idol. Yeah. Well, and so why does Jesus say it is nearly impossible for a rich man to enter heaven? It would be easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle. He's not saying it's like impossible, impossible, because it goes back to, well, if God wants him there, he's going to be there. But he makes the point pretty clear as far as my reading. But why? And it goes back to this. It's their desire. Why do they want to be rich? It is going to be hard for a rich man to get to heaven because literally the last half of 10, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and piercing themselves with pains. I mean, literally, you can even, again, application, um, this can be a wedge that drives between this rich man and everybody else because with this desire he is placing this thing say okay say you're a member within a church and 
I'm sure you know the demographic of your church. The you have some who are pretty wealthy who carry the the burden of the church versus the the ones who do not. If you are using your money well that God has given you, but say you're not. Say you are of this mindset and you are desiring to be rich for the wrong reasons. This is something that could very well drive a wedge between you and everybody else in that church. And it's just not not a good thing. And that, that's just something to be careful of. Um, that is the one, like it says, piercing themselves with many pains. They are the ones that are basically cutting their own legs off. They are the ones piercing themselves, and it's it's their fault. Even if they're good stewards with their money, um, they're, they're, you know, what is the saying? Um, the rich stay rich because they're stingy, I guess you could say. You're, you stay a billionaire because... You, you are shrewd, shrewd, shrewd with your money. Yeah. Which, okay. Again, we are called to be good stewards, but as Christians, we're also meant to give and give a lot. Uh, so there's, there's that. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't have, I mean, honestly, like giving to, and this is a different conversation, I think, but it also, yes, you, you give your money and you tithe and, and you do, and you are good stewards with your money, but you also give of yourself and give of your time and give yeah. of your, talents and your abilities like there's other aspects of giving as well if you aren't wealthy Mm -hmm. right like if you don't have that expendable income you trust god and you 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 give him what he lays on your heart to give him yeah and and what you think is right and between you and him what what you've decided is, is the right amount to give he will take care of you he will provide when you're doing it in faith but also you give of your time, you give of yourself, you give of your talents, you, you have generosity and hospitality in, in other ways. So, like, there are other ways to give beyond money. Yeah. But money is a big one, like, because you're supposed to trust God with your money. Yeah. Yeah. So, this coming from two guys that we we do not have a whole lot of money. No. <laughs> we we survive. I mean, honestly, like, it... Well, I- we, we, we do thrive. We survive. do very yeah. well. We do very we well. We do very well. God has blessed but us. But not in a richness <laughs> type no. way. Um, Frugality goes a long way. Frugality and, and just working a lot of hours. That's from it. On my end, at least right now. <laughs> well, not even right now. On my end, in the past. <laughs> I was going to say, now that one job's gone. Yeah. So that does help. Verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. And so we see here again Paul talking directly to Timothy. I, I do think, you know, this indicates that this entire book was written specifically for Timothy. Yes. As instructions for him and how he's to run the church and run the congregation that he is kind of in charge of. And he is he's being exhorted, I mean, yeah. to to be faithful, be strong. Make sure you remain a follower of God and, and remain steadfast and, and persevere through the pers- the persecution that's coming. And, you know, a little bit of history and a little bit of background, Paul's death is kind of imminent here. Like, it, we're, yeah. we're getting close to Paul's death. And so I really do like this verse 11. It says, the, and, and I'm going to read this from MacArthur here. It says, the man of God is known by what he flees from, follows after, fights for, and is faithful to. Uh, that's that covers verses eleven through fourteen. But the man of God is known by what he flees from, follows after, fights for, and is faithful to. Yeah. The key to his success in all these endeavors 
is the perfection produced in him by the scripture. And then again, he says, flee these things. So what are these things? It's everything we just talked about through the rest or, you know, through the rest of chapter six. Well, and even just the rest of the letter. Really, this is what we need to start. You need to read this section before you start for first Timothy. Yeah. Because literally, so yeah, verse 11, uh, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things which then you read through Timothy, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. He's not just saying, hey, you need to pursue these things, and then he carries on, and it's like, well, Timothy doesn't actually know how to pursue these things. No, he says pursue these things because I've already told you how to do it. So go back through and reread Timothy with the mindset of, okay, what things do I need to flee? Paul will tell you, as he told Timothy. And then you go back through, read it again with the mindset of pursuing righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. And reading through it with that mindset, it, it things will pop out to you more. Instead of just reading it through and then getting to this spot, and then it, it almost feels like a cliffhanger. Like, hey, do these things, but I'm not going to tell you how to do them. Well, no, he already did. Right. And, and that's why you go back through and reread it over and over and over again, which I would bet money on, a lot of money if I ever had it, that that's what Timothy did. I'm sure he reread this yeah. so many times, yeah. besides the fact of other people reading it, like us. Well, yeah, and again, so what are we fleeing? You know, in, in the immediate context of the chapter, we're fleeing this love of money. Mm. We're fleeing from this greed and this desire to get rich, the desire to use God's word and, and, and your ability to speak eloquently yeah. to get rich. I mean, that, that's a lot of what happens in today's world, and obviously it's what happened back then too. Yeah. These people who are really good speakers and can draw a following and, and can draw people in with a message that sounds good and sounds godly, if you just listen on the surface, it sounds amazing. Okay, give me money now that you're in my congregation. Right. Give me money. Right. Buy me things buy this book, buy this thing, that way I can get all this money. Right. And that's what he's wanting him to her flee. He's yeah. wanting him to flee this idea that because I'm a godly man, because I'm a preacher, because I'm a pastor, I'm a leader, I'm whatever, or even I'm just a Christian, I need to be rich. Right. No. Yeah. No. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. You ever wonder? Well, anyway, never mind. <laughs> I was just thinking, Uh, we, we talked about Bethel a while back, and yeah. I was thinking about uh, the... I deserve to be rich and God's going to heal me of everything. Then why does Bill Johnson still wear glasses? Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's interesting. It's not how that, uh, you know. Well, and you know what? <laughs> Love believing all things. Say you're, you're having something like this start genuinely, but they are beginning to be blessed and they grow substantially. Lots of people show up and then it just becomes almost natural. Everyone's showing up. You're getting paid very well, more and more, and you just grow and grow until you are this mega church. And then it it's like you look back and you're like, oh, wait, what happened? But very rarely do they do that. They just keep looking ahead to next, what's next. Right. And it, the contentment is completely thrown out the window. Right. Yeah. No, and, and that's why I, I do want to be careful. Yeah. I do want to be careful when we talk about this and not 
condemn all big churches, not condemn yeah. all mega churches and all mega church pastors. Like I don't, I don't, or condemn a pastor that has money. Like I'm not trying to, con- we're not trying to condemn that because right. that, that in and of itself, as we've, I hope made very clear is not the issue. Right. The issue is the greed and the issue is the sinfulness. The issue is preaching something other than the gospel in order to get that money. Yeah. The, the issue is using God and, and the, this image of godliness or this, this, you know, the pseudo godliness mm. to get money. That's the issue, right? It's yeah. not, you know, I, I'm assuming John MacArthur is pretty well, well off. Like I, I just, I just so. assuming like I very well taken care of. I don't know his numbers. I don't care, but I'm just saying yeah. like, but I also don't hear him preaching the prosperity gospel. Exactly. I don't hear him preaching yeah. this that, and the other. I, I don't see evidence that he is using Tickling his ears. yeah and using his position to gain wealth. You just don't see it. I, I actually think for a discerning Christian, for someone who knows Scripture and and is you know becoming a mature Christian, I actually think it's easy to recognize when someone is. I think sometimes it's very easy. I think, I mean, what are the first names you think of? I mean, I guarantee you, one, two, three, Joel Osteen. Like, everyone's going to say Joel Osteen. <laughs> that's the first one you're going to think of. Yeah. Because that's what he's done. Uh, a little lesser known, but still very powerful, very rich, Kenneth Copeland. Yeah. I mean, my man bought Tyler Perry's private jet. Yep. Look up that video, by the way, if you haven't I, I've seen, seen it. it. I've seen it. If you have, um, yeah, if you haven't seen that video of, of him talking about his private jet and getting asked about it, it is it, well, not just cringeworthy. It's creepy. Yeah, it is. My man's facial expressions. Yeah. Whew, he it, something something's going on there, but that's <laughs> demonic. Yeah, something happening on that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, but yeah, it it is flee this desire to be wealthy, flee the greed, because that leads down so many paths. And what are we supposed to pursue? What are we supposed to run after? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Those could be series all in of them, all in and of themselves. Yeah. What do those things mean? Yes, yes. Um, one of which we don't have the time to do. But that, like I said, go back through reread Timothy. But before each before each time you're reading it, read verse eleven. Look at righteousness and godliness and the rest of them, and look at the way that Paul is addressing Timothy how to conduct himself with other believers, with unbelievers, how to do life within the church, who is supposed to be leading the church, uh, what are you supposed to do with those for um, uh, um, discipline, church discipline, Um, what are you supposed to do with false doctrine? These are things that will help you pursue righteousness. So having that in mind. But then verse 12. Verse 12. This this one sentence, verse 12 is two sentences. This first mm. sentence could, again, be an entire episode. Oh, yeah. Or multiple episodes. Fight the good fight of the faith. Yes. So I want to look at the Greek here real quick. Uh, the Greek word for fight give a, gives us the English word agonize. And it's used both in military and athletic endeavors to describe the concentration, discipline, and extreme effort needed to win. Well, that's where we get the word for agonize as agonizing pain. Yeah. The good fight of faith is the spiritual conflict with Satan's kingdom of darkness in which all men of God are necessarily involved. Yeah. All men of God are involved in this fight. Every believer, every Christian, every person who puts their faith and trust in Lord Jesus Christ... 
is involved in this war. Yeah. And we are to fight. We are to have the mental concentration and the athletic just determination and drive as an Olympic swimmer, as as an Olympic athlete, as a wrestler, as someone who is competing on a fierce level. Yeah. Being sober-minded. That I threw that there. Being sober-minded, yeah. We <laughs> talked about that last week in, in depth. Well, and it's interesting, too. So, okay, when people read this, fight the good fight of the faith – what is the mentality that people have, especially those who don't quite know what it means to f- fight in this way? You have this visual picture of glorious battle, if that makes sense. Okay, you watch the movies. And sure, okay, you get into the movies like Braveheart, and it, it's bloody, and it's gore, and it's violent. But then you you get the visual pictures of other movies where it's it's glorious and you win and the, the drinking and the feasting afterwards. And it's just this, this awesome thing. And it is, but it goes back to fight, meaning agonizing, meaning there is nothing about this fight that is going to be glamorous, glorious. Yes. Because of the reason why we're fighting and, God has already won, but it is agonizing. It is, again, a distance race. This is not a a sprint. This is a, as Paul says in, in other letters, you are, you are running a race to win the prize. But again, it's not a sprint. It's a long-distance race. And if anyone has run for a long period of time, maybe even a short period of time depends on who you are (laughs) but running for a long period of time it hurts and it's agonizing and this is a fight that i i don't know what else to say besides telling you it's not it's not glamorous it's not uh you your name will be drugged through the streets your your own family will look at you horrendously they will attack your character it goes back to the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And the sword will be against brother and brother, against a brother and his father and his mother. And and it sucks. But I firmly believe, if you're standing on the word of God, that this is the good fight. The good fight of the faith. And I'm I'm fully convinced. And I think, too, Paul is is really one to hammer home that the good fight is preaching. It's making disciples. It is bringing people closer to him through truth and through love. And, and yes, it it is through a sword. It is a battle. It is tough. It is gritty. But as believers, when we are speaking the truth, we're doing so in love. But we're also doing so unashamed, unashamed, unashamedly, unabashed, unashamedly. I don't know. Unapologetic. Unapologetic. Hey, there we go. <laughs> we're doing so unapologetically. We're doing so in a, in a manner that is not going to compromise the truth. It may be done in love, but it's going to be bold. It's going to be firm. It's going to be, you know, th- no, no. This is how it is. And then as we start getting deeper into the fight, we start fighting on a deeper level, and that's when we really start getting to that kind of gritty truth sword wielding like no 
for example, the culture wars and, and the culture battling for the culture. Yeah. Understanding that like there's a time if you see a man following your daughter into a restroom, that's not the time to be, sir, excuse me, sir, sir. No, that's the time to be a little more stern, a little more aggressive and be like, no, 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 we're not doing this. <laughs> like, you are not a woman. You know, you know what I mean? Like, there are times when we need to have that stern, you know, yeah. kind of umph to it. But there yeah. are times we need to be loving and need to be compassionate. And so I think that's what Tim- Paul is really trying to get across to Timothy here is like, the good fight is making disciples and preaching the gospel. That That's the good fight. Yeah. And, and, and that goes back to the Great Commission. Of Jesus, you know, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing me in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, back in Matthew 28. Like, that is the good fight that we are fighting. Standing on the principles of God, standing on his truth, standing on his word, and understanding that we know the ending. We know how this ends. God wins, and we want to be on the right side of that. And so we want to fight the good fight and flee some of these other things. So, Brad knows me. I, I am fully of the mindset of I will fight on every hill. You know, that, that term of pick, pick your battles. and Is this the hill you want to die on? Is this on? the hill you want to die on? Yeah. Well, no, I'm of the full mindset of Christ died on the hill. Therefore, I will fight on every hill. Every hill. And I go back to the Winston Churchill uh, quote. Um, He says, we shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. That, for me, embodies the Christian mindset. We will never surrender. We will never let things recede. We will take ground back. And all of these hills, which the past few hundred years... Sadly, Christians have surrendered, such as marriage, such as creation, such as literally every hill, every fort, every castle of Christendom, they have just let go. And I'm like, no, I will fight on every hill, and I will take the 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 Stonewall Jackson approach. Um, if the Lord so decides for me to die on that hill, then I will die. And if I do not die, then I will go to take the next hill. Fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight. <laughs> Finishing verse 12. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I mean, I think this is pretty simple. Mm. It's have an eternal mindset. Understand what matters in light of eternity. You know, again, talking about riches in the context of this passage, talking about being wealthy, you can't take it with you. We talked about that. And, and, you know, that PlayStation that you bought or that toy that you have or whatever the case may be, like eventually it's going to rot, it's going to rust, it's going to deteriorate. It might be the first time I've ever said that word correctly, the first attempt. De- deteriorate. deteriorate. <laughs> always mess it up. I'm, I'm, that was a moment for me. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I hit that. There you go. Uh, oh. Passed out on us, That's fine. <laughs> uh, but that those things are going to go away. And again, once you die, then then what, what what do you have left? So it Paul is encouraging Timothy, and then you know by way of the scriptures, he's encouraging us to have a mindset of what's important. And again, keeping things in the proper perspective, having an eternal mindset, yeah. focusing on things that are going to matter eternally. 
Yeah. And what is that? That is making disciples and preaching the gospel. Yes. And, and doing so faithfully and storing up your treasures in heaven, not here on earth where moth and rust can destroy and thieves can steal. It is keeping your focus heavenward and understanding what is going to matter in light of eternity. And Timothy made a confession where we can kind of guess at his baptism and when he was ordained as well. Right. Well, it, yeah, it gets he made a public what, what is the confession, the yeah. good confession. And really I'm just, I'm looking at a word. I'm wondering, we don't have much longer. So the word called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I purposefully just kind of, okay. Because yes, That's uh, we we are aware of effectual what we sovereign call of Timothy to salvation. Yes, so yes, yes. that is that is my goal for September. Yes. So we have August, and I have a couple ideas, and then my goal for September is to get into that particular topic. Okay. With uh, uh, guests that are going to join yes. us and, yes. and help us out. We're on board with that. Okay. So moving on. <laughs> so what is the good confession? Move to verse thirteen. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. So what did Christ say to Pontius Pilate? So talking about the good confession that Jesus made before Pilate, Brad, why don't you read uh, John 18, the, where, where Jesus is talking to Pilate? Yeah, so... We have it have it as John 18, verses 33 through 38, and it says, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. So Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is truth? Bum, bum, bum. Anyway, so what does Jesus do? The... As, as Paul would put it, Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Well, what is the good confession? You say that I am a king for this purpose. I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He is the king, and this is the whole purpose of which he was born, and he came into the world Everyone who is of the truth listens to his voice. So therefore, going back to Timothy, Timothy has made the good confession to where he is to follow the king who was brought into the world for that purpose, and therefore Timothy is of the truth. And I think, too, it also kind of shows and showcases that Jesus was going to stick to the truth. He was going to proclaim the truth, even though it cost him his life. Unto death. And so knowing that such a confession would cost him his life, Jesus nevertheless testified or confessed that he was truly the king and Messiah. Yeah. He didn't evade danger. 
He boldly and truthfully committed himself to God who raises the dead. So that is the extent to which we are to proclaim the good confession and proclaim the good news Yeah, to the point of death, to the point of no matter what happens, we trust that God's got, God's got us. Yeah. Does that mean we're going to be risen from the dead right then and there after we're killed? No, not necessarily. He could. He can do all things. It's true. Does it mean that that immediately we're going to see this amazing like miracle happen and not again, not necessarily this side of heaven, like not necessarily, but if you are faithful to him, he will be faithful to you. Yeah. And if you are faithful to him, you that good confession to the point of death. And it does come down to that. It does come down to death. You're with him. And whether or not you're raised here on earth right then and there, you are with him. You have you have fought the good fight. Yeah. You have confessed him and you have believed in him up until the point of death. I, I think of, you know, in the United States, obviously, we don't have a ton of, like, persecution when it comes to death. That doesn't happen very often. It has happened, mm-hmm. but not on a governmental level. It's It's happened... You know, you think of Columbine, that 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 school shooting. I forget what year that was, but it was a long time ago. Oh and and but the the girl who was asked, at least the story goes, the girl was asked by the shooter, "Do you believe in God?" And she said, "Absolutely." And he and he killed her. Mm. That happens. Yeah. You lose your job because you, of your, you take a stand of faith. You, you lose friends. You lose family members. You lose these relationships. Like there are things. Besides your life that you lose in our culture today by confessing Christ and confessing the truth. Yeah. It it, it just happens. I mean, yeah. look at look at anyone in Hollywood who speaks out against mainstream Hollywood. Yeah. What do they do? They immediately attack. They immediately attack and try to get them banned from all forms of entertainment moving forward. Right. I mean, it, it, you start to go against this narrative and against this thing that the world has for us and our culture has for us, there are going to be consequences. There going to be consequences. Yeah. You're going to face some sort of quote-unquote persecution. Again, it's not governmental yet. <laughs> possible. COVID probably showed that it's very possible. It's coming, yeah. But you need to be so firm in your faith and so steeped in Scripture and so steeped in your knowledge of God that no matter what anyone says, you can say, no, no, I know the truth, and I'm going to stand on this truth no matter what it costs me. Right. That's what Paul's getting at with Timothy right here. No matter what it costs you on this earth, you stand for the truth. Yeah. Period. The truth. And y- Big y- T truth. You ask the question of, okay, what is the fruit? Where is the fruit of, and why is the purpose of, say you are that girl and point the gun at you and say, do you believe in God? And at that moment you could say no and probably live, but maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe so not, maybe, yeah. but it goes down to why, why do you say yes and hold firm to it? Well, verse 14 answers it. He says to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ by holding fast and by holding true to the good confession in front of everybody, even to death, and I would say especially unto death, you are keeping the commandment unstained. And what is the commandment? The, what Christ has given, the gospel. The scripture. 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 Exactly. Period. 
and it's unstained because you are holding fast to it. And if you take a bullet for it, if you take a blade to the neck for it, if you take a noose for the the neck to it, if you lose your job for it, lose your job. If you lose a friend, if you lose a family member, if you lose your house, if you lose anything, anything that has a negative effect on your life because of the gospel is not negative. It's actually a good it's thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. You have to understand that. It's hard in the moment, I know. Yeah. I've lost friendships over it. And and it it's it's not cool. Like it's not fun. You don't enjoy it in the moment, but you have to understand that the truth and scripture and and, and the word of God and your your relationship with God is the most important thing. Yeah. Period. You are to keep the commandment unstained and free from approach. Yeah. So take heart. What you're doing is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good place to stop. All right. So we will, in a couple weeks, we will dive back in and start back in verse 15. Might take us try and finish it up in one more episode. Maybe we'll have a little extended episode and finish up the the rest of first Timothy chapter six. We do um, love doing this and this is, this is a lot of fun. Um, I had, I had one question for you. And I I want you to take this question very seriously. Have you gone to see the Barbie movie? Absolutely not. Oh, man. Absolutely. Me neither have I. (laughs) That's the only question I want to add. I want to see what your response (laughs) is going to be. It it really wasn't that serious. What I really wanted to do is go see Oppenheimer. Yeah, that's on my list. But then I heard of all the nudity and everything in it. Hmm. Yeah. So I haven't haven't seen it. I cannot go see it anymore. So we thank you guys so much for listening, and again, jump on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, follow us, like us, give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, support us financially, Rudin Logos Pod, nope, patreon.com slash Rudin Logos, L-O-G-O-S, L-O-G-O-S, Rooted in Logos.com, dang it, Rooted in Logos Pod.com is the website that I haven't updated in months, so we'll, we might get back to that eventually. But uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. We love you guys. We will see you all next week. Same time, same channel. In the meantime, stay rooted. rooted.